Just one movie today in this episode of Movie Wallace, and that is Blue Beetle. It's time for Movie Wallace. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And yes, you as well. Movie Wallace is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news, and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming, or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. Greetings, fellow Wallace. Happy Sunday. Hello. It's the day of the sun. Yes. <laughs> it is indeed. We are back here to record. It's been kind of slow, right? We only had one screening that we were able to manage to catch logistically. And we didn't want to wait too long before the, the you know, these, these podcasts kind yeah. of go off pretty quickly. Yeah, I feel and like um, this is the lull before the storm. This is kind of the end of summer and pre-award uh, season. Can I put you on the spot, Yazdi? TIFF this year. Are you yes. hearing much about it? And how is this, the writer's strike and all of that? I mean, you, you tend to be somewhat informed, but if you're not ready to talk about this, tell no, me to I am. Up. No, no, TIFF starts in, but I think, 12 days, 14 days, something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's the Toronto starts. International Film Festival. Yeah, and I think they have, uh, you know, quite, as usual, they have quite a, a treasure trove of, of uh, films that are going to be released there. And usually the f- the big award season starts at Venice Film Festival, which is which usually starts a week before Toronto, and then back to back those two kind of get the award season started. I think uh, Venice starts very soon in a couple of days yeah, or that's so. Right. But I think, like everything else, the writers' strike um, and the actors' strike in the U.S. is is really putting a pall on things. It put a big pall on Comic Con this year, but. If the actors and the you know writers, well, not as much the writers, but if the actors cannot go to the film festivals to push their movies and to publicize them, that's going to take away big time. Now there are the tentpole movies, you know, Scorsese has his movie. Um, oh, who that's else? right. Uh, Yorgos. Yorgos Lanthimos has a movie. Um, David Fincher has a movie. They all have these, you know, big movies. Dune Two was going to be released. But because they can't publicize the movies, at least Dune 2, for example, has been moved into 2024. Okay. So I think, you know, things will be very, very grim, I think. It'll be kind of a lesser version of the film festival unless they can figure something out, uh, the studios and uh, and the Writers' League and the Act- Actors' League. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I forgot about the Scorsese movie, actually, The Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, so that's being uh, financed by Apple, but it was going to get a big, it, it is going to get a big theater release. Mm-hmm. And I think they're still sticking with their guns and releasing it, even though, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio or Rob, Robert De Niro or others will not be able to uh, promote the movie. I mean, in some ways, it kind of evens the playing field, I feel, right? Yeah. Like if you yeah. have a bunch of movies that don't get big name actors pushing for them I kind of think it makes in a sense our job a little bit more important um, to kind of seek out the little gems and give them as much praise Mm -hmm. than you know the the actors or directors pushing them and the studios that have a lot of money putting marketing dollars behind them so I'm actually I'm actually a little bit excited to have an even playing field in some ways maybe it'll be a good deal Maybe. It'll be a good thing, yeah. Yeah. I know I've been reading 
um, that maybe Oppenheimer is going to have a much, much bigger showing at the Oscars this year than anybody had anticipated because if no other very high prestige movie gets released because studios are too too afraid that without publicity their movies won't you know won't perform as well then you know oppenheimer can kind of clean up yeah. clean up the plate you know in every category oh look much. at that Acting, smile on directing. joe's face i feel yeah. like chris nolan is due his oscar i think the problem he has is that he doesn't play the game of releasing the movie uh, contemporaneously mm-hmm. with all of the reviewing um that gets done towards the end of the year and look you know i mean we we've noticed this ourselves i mean you know we complain about the end of year crush but the truth is when you're thinking about your favorite movies of the years it's the ones that you saw most recently that had an impact on you that tend to float up so you know there is that kind of inherent um bias that that comes with the timing and the studios know this so uh, i wouldn't be unhappy for oppenheimer to get a little bit more um spotlight in in award season yeah it's interesting one of our dear friends um melissa asked me the other day like what are some important movies that have come along in the first six months like what would you recommend if i'm catching up and i was kind of at a loss but i was looking at my letterbox list um Mm -hmm. and i've got to say the ones that are still standing out to me are um obviously past lives Mm -hmm. mission impossible was really good i mean you know, it, it's Spider-verse. Spider-Verse, yeah. What other ones are standing out to you in the first six months if people are wanting to catch up? And I know I I've kind a, of caught you on, on the back foot on this one. We didn't do any preparation around this. No, I mean, I, I was going to uh, publish a piece of my favorite movies at the end of July, but, you know, The Road to Hell is paved with good intentions. I never got around to doing it. And, yeah, I, I just sort my... Um, that's what I do. I just sort my letterboxed uh, list by... Uh, by how many you know, stars by, you give by each how one, many yeah. Stars, exactly. Yeah, so I'm doing that right now while you guys um while maybe Joe you can comment. Yeah. Joe, what what's what stands out to you from the first six months? I'm even less prepared than yesterday. I think I have to go back <laughs> and, and look at our podcast list. But look, I mean, you know, Mission Impossible was was super uh, across the spider verse. Um, you know, if if we didn't get any more great movies this year, those two were were just so fabulously, you know, entertaining and good at what they they do. I think uh, it would still have been a good year. Uh, past lives, you all loved that. I'm just again flicking quickly. Polite back to society our... was good. You hurt my yes. feelings. So, um, so those, yeah. So I have, yeah, I have past lives. I have Spider Man across the. Spider-Verse, I, I really love this movie called Infinity Pool, uh, this little horror right. movie from Brandon Cronenberg, which actually is is uh, streaming right now on Hulu. People should check it out. Was that a sneaky uh, Netflix pick there? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, Decision, no, that was from last year. Uh, Return to Soul was a movie which came out earlier this year, which I really liked. John Wick Chapter 4 was pretty good. Air was good. Uh, Polite Society, Joyland. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. You hurt my feelings. John Wick. Yeah. Um, Are you there, God? It's me, yeah. Margaret. That was one of Good your favorites, Joe. Yeah. I enjoyed yeah. the pants off that movie. That was super. Um, yeah. yeah. No, it's been a good year so far. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I mean, uh, we'll, have to, we'll kind of have to see how the rest of the year pans out and what releases get moved around. I'm bummed. I didn't know that June got pushed into next year. So that's, that was one that was highly anticipated by me. Um, but I guess we're not going to get that until next year. Boo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do Netflix picks. 
Indeed, yes. We have uh, our usual segment, I guess, coming up. Oh, yes, the, you had further comment? No, I was going to tie us all together by saying, speaking of favorite movies of the year, it's going to be in my number one or number two spot. Is 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 going to be my Netflix or my VOD oh. recommendation oh. this year, right. and it's the movie Joyland, um, which got a theatrical release in 2024, and I'm happy to report. 22, you're saying 24? Uh, 2023, yes. <laughs> no, okay, 2022, it got a theatrical. Yes, who's release. the president? And why are you having a stroke? JFK? I don't know. <laughs> Um, no, so it, it, it was nominated for, it was in contention for Best Foreign Film in 2022, but it got released in 2023, yes. Um, and I was waiting forever for it to appear on a streaming platform in its final year. And it is available for a quick rental of $4.99, I think, on Amazon and most other platforms. And it's the movie Joyland, one word. It is from Pakistan. Um, it's a movie of quietly accumulating strength until you get to the end and it smacks you across the face. It's really very provocative. It's about um, a, a young man in a very, very traditional Punjabi household in Pakistan who falls in love with a trans performer um, and he won't tell his family for fear that, you know, uh, how the society will see it. And it's not just about him, but as we learn, it's about all the characters in his periphery, his his grandparents, his brother, his his wife, his uh, sister-in-law and others. That movie is frankly a miracle. It's a miracle that it exists. It's a miracle that it hasn't been banned out of existence. Uh, you know, if we want movies to shake us up and make us, you know, think and think and think and think, I still am thinking about that movie four or five months after having seen it then that movie, you know, checks all those boxes. I think everybody who loves movies should look it up. Joyland on available to rent on Amazon Prime. Yeah, this is a rush, rush out and rent. Um, this is one of my favorite movies of this year. Phenomenally acted. It's such a piercing story. And it, yeah, you summed it up perfectly, Yazdi. I love this movie so much. Yeah, very, very powerful, um, haunting movie. It's hard to get out of your brain once you've seen it. And, you know, again, I mean, you, you, you touched on this, Yazdi, and you said it. Um, but when one thinks about uh, the type of film that you might think of coming out of Pakistan, mm -hmm. this is not it. Like this is this the subject matter the the tone the honesty the that there's just there's yeah it's a wonderful piece of filmmaking great pick yeah Rashmi what you yeah got? so um, Joe and I have come late to this party but I am recommending the TV series called Peaky Blinders which mm. is um, a British period crime drama um, it's set in Birmingham um, which is close to Joe's heart um, and it follows the exploits of a gang a crime gang called the Peaky Blinders and it stars um, um, Killian Murphy, Murphy Sam Neill Helen McCrory and another like hundred you know members of an amazing cast that deliver on story and acting um, and production week after week this is um, I believe six seasons we literally started this about two weeks ago and we're already nearly at the end of season two superb and have you have Netflix? you seen it Yazdi 
I have not. I remember it was. I think Showtime was the original uh, creator for. I I remember it was uh, on one of the other networks, and I I heard heard about it for years, but I never got around to watching it. Yeah. Yeah. No. This is this is something that comes straight from my my Rashmi said. You know, near and dear to me because of Birmingham. Birmingham is about twenty miles away from where I grew up in the UK, and so. A lot of the the accents and colloquialisms, if not necessarily the Birmingham that I knew, because this is set in 1919, uh, definitely definitely kind of come through. And yeah, what a what a little surprise this is. I mean, I think we avoided it for some time because the name Peaky Blinders, we, yeah. we couldn't relate to it. We had no idea what it was. Um, the the thumbnail was always a big kind of close up picture of Killian Murphy's face, and. I don't know. There's just something about the whole uh, look and feel of it that just didn't. We never got to. We never got beyond pressing the play button to to give it a go. It's it's really fun. I mean, I think it, they've maybe it's intentional, but they've done a phenomenal job of keeping it very cryptic. Like, no, I still don't know what it's about. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's intentional, but. And yeah, Peaky Blinders just makes me feel like it's about a peeping tom. Somebody is peeking behind <laughs> blinders yeah. or something. But yeah, it, it's yeah. it's um it's actually like Sopranos, which sounds weird. It's it's a it's like Sopranos meets Better Call Saul meets mm. you know Call them mafia a, a Scorsese mafia. Mm. Um, and it's done in a very kind of handsome BBC, uh, you know, UK TV drama way. Uh, I think you know it's it's very obviously set on a soundstage but it's also um really well crafted to give it a sense of place um and it does some of the kind of you know rashmi commented on the kind of the the grungy um music soundtrack they pick artists such as you know pj harvey kind of a lot of alternative rock that mm. gets used in the soundtrack but it all gives the move the the, the series like this flavor and tone um to be not quite as um, cocky as a Guy Ritchie, um, mm. but, you know, effort, but it, it comes from that same ilk. So it's it's fun. It's it's dark, um, and it makes Rashmi gasp, which you know is it's very interesting. <laughs> At least once of, a season, it's made me gasp. Yeah, like <gasps> like what? Yeah, there was a moment in the in season one where Rashmi literally, I thought. I, gonna have to go and get her heart pills or something i was like <laughs> she had a very did somebody die reaction. i'm not did gonna say I'll, I'll leave it a surprise it's just or was it, it, or was it's it very naughty? it's very unexpected where it twists and turns no spoilers but yeah, yeah keep keep a shot of adrenaline around yeah. just in case you have a, a cardiac event <laughs> all right and what's yours uh my pick i'm i'm really excited i'm really proud of my pick this week yeah i am normally, I, I'm, I am too normally i'm the one that goes you know oh Dunkirk or, you know, Batman or, you know, some movie that I watched as a kid. Um, but I'm actually really proud of my pick because A, um, it's a little obscure. B, it's a foreign oh. language movie. Oh. C, we picked up on it at a film festival about 10 years ago and it has mm. emerged on Netflix. And that movie is the movie Carancho. C-A-R-A-N-C-H-O. Yes, did you remember this? Yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah. Is it the, the Mexican one? Yes. It is. About the ambulances? Well, yes. Yeah, exactly, oh, yes. Oh, I do remember it, yes. Yeah, I think it's Argentina, it's, um, but Argentina, it's, it's yeah. set in Latin America, um, uh, shot kind of mostly at night, written and directed by um, 
Pablo Trapero, not a very well-known director, but this is a compact little thriller. I'll give you the kind of the, the, the summary here, which is um, the shady past of an ambulance chasing lawyer threatens his unlikely romance with an idealistic doctor. Um, that doesn't really tell you much about the movie other than just know that this is a delightful piece of suspenseful noir type thriller. It takes you through twists and turns as the night, as the events of really, you know, a very short period of time kind of play out. It feels like it was shot, not shot, but it feels like it plays out the events of an evening rather than, you know, weeks right. and months. Um, and it's been a long time since we've seen it. So I am going to watch this again. I just remember being blown blown away, away. all blown three of us i think yeah um, <clears throat> i just remember having like you know my heart in my mouth like through the second half of the movie because it was that intense it with the pacing and then i think ricardo darren is in it as, in the lead role and he's i think you know he's probably the most famous actor out of argentina um but yeah and Nailed i it, yeah, a lot yeah, of it absolutely. is said in the hospital i think a lot a lot of it is said in the hospital but yeah it's yeah that was an amazing movie the fact that 10 years later we are all raving about it and the minute you said the name yeah it popped yeah it recalled so yeah people should really seek it out and it's on netflix and it's like they're just in your queue you don't have to pay anything you don't have to dig it out just uh look look for it so that's um so we'll, we'll begin our recap here so my movie was carancho that's c-a-r-a-n-c-h-o available on netflix um rashmi you picked the tv series peaky blinders or picky blinders um on netflix yazdi your pick was my pick was the movie joyland one word which is available to rent at amazon prime Those really good picks fun picks mm. Yeah, they really. Yeah, and I'll try and put them in the show notes for those who are who may be driving while listening. I've gotten feedback that people are often mm. driving while listening to movie wallers and they miss our our, our Netflix picks uh, because they don't have pen and paper handy. Um, I try now to put them in the show notes at least as bullet point titles so that you can uh, dig them out. So um, again, Peaky Blinders, Carancho, and Joyland. While you were talking, I quickly looked up what Carancho means, and it means a vulture, which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> That's right. Uh, any bird of prey, but mostly a vulture. So I think, yeah, people really should check it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm so excited to watch it again. I'm glad it popped out because so often we see these little gems at film festivals that then, you know, may have gotten a release in their native country, but never quite make it to the international um, circuit. And um, for, for a movie like this to pop up... Um, kind of randomly in my net I wasn't searching for it I was like wow these these things do get a lease of life and I hope that they get recognition and fa a fan base because honestly they're they're quite you know movies like this are just you know it's what we miss about film festivals yeah and my heart aches when some movies that connect with you so strongly they just disappear like you know yeah. Rashmi and I absolutely adore the Indian movie Elizabeth Ekadashi yes. and, it, and it's been six years and it, you cannot watch it if you tried it's I nowhere know, you can't, you can't even know. find a bootleg copy of that movie and that movie just guts you it's so beautiful yeah Somebody needs to just buy the rights. I want to buy the rights to the movie. And let's put do it, it Yasdi. Yeah, let's buy the rights to it. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. All right. Uh, just one movie to review then in this podcast, and that movie is Blue Beetle. 
So okay. I think, Rashmi, you're going to give us a background. I do, I do. So an alien scarab, I'm not sure how you pronounce scarab or scarab. That's how, um, no. A scarab chooses Jamie Rays to be its symbiotic host, bestowing the recent college graduate with a suit of armor that's capable of extraordinary powers, forever changing his destiny as he becomes the superhero known as Blue Beetle. So this stars um, Sholo Mariduena, I'm, I'm probably butchering that name, as Jamie Rays, Bruna Marquezine, uh, Becky G. It has Damien Alcazar. It has George Lopez, um, Adriana Barraza, um, Belissa Escobedo, and a whole host of others. I'm picking up a theme in many of these names. Yes, here, and the theme me. I was going to mention, thank you, Joe, is that this is one of the first DC superhero movies which has a mainly Hispanic cast. And specifically Mexican, I believe. It's very much yeah. set in Mexico, but is that is that correct? I think the female lead is from South America, but I think all the other actors have a Mexican uh, heritage. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, this is a DC, like I said, a DC, uh, another superhero movie. Um, Yazdi, why don't you start us off? Is Blue Beetle worth the effort or will it make you feel bluer than when you started? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's definitely worth the effort. I think um, this is a scrappy little movie that is bumbling and awkward and is kind of stumbling, but boy, does it have a heart of gold. And it really is the consummate crowd pleaser. I think if people are looking for a fun movie to watch, uh, you you know, you you could do far worse than, than go see uh, Blue Beetle. And we, we'll talk more about the fact that it's uh, entirely Latino based. Yeah. Joe. You know, it, it was very reminiscent of the movie Shazam from a few years ago mm-hmm. with this kind of superhero who is kind of inept and learning uh, the ability of his his powers and abilities. Um, it, it played with that in very much that same way of, of, you know, hey, I can do all this stuff and save lives and yada, yada, yada. Um, but really, what this movie is, is a family movie. Um, mm-hmm. And for me... It worked extraordinarily well in that regard. You know, we've we've gotten kind of very tired of the La Familia type thing, which we get from the Fast and Furious movies where, you know, family first and yada, yada, yada. This movie really does work, put its family mm-hmm. to work. And, and the heart of the movie is in all of those relationships and in all of those um, different personalities and characters that, that come from, you know, a close-knit family. Um, I enjoyed the heck out of it. It was fun. Um, I love that it's, you know, a mainly a Hispanic cast and it's trying to celebrate the Hispanic culture, but I feel like it actually comes at the cost of the story. I don't hate this movie, but I felt like it had nothing new to offer to the superhero genre other than, you know, the normal good versus evil. This had a bit of like rich versus poor thrown in. Um, but, you know, I feel like we saw a little bit of that in The Dark Knight Rises um, with the Catwoman character. Um, yeah, I, I don't love it. It's enjoyable in the moment, but I just feel like it was nothing new. And it just ends up becoming a vehicle to say it's a mainly Hispanic cast. So I think you're, you're right, Rashmi, in that it's, it's from a plot perspective, it's just an origin story, right? For how this uh, superhero came to be. And, you know, we've seen Spider-Man, God knows, 10 versions of Spider-Man and Batman. And every, you know, every Marvel movie has an origin story. So I, I agree that it, it is kind of weak in the 
uh, in the plot department. And and to be honest, I think some of the dialogue is very, very clunky as well. Mm-hmm. But I think what it makes up with is heart. And I maybe I'm, you know, I, I like all this, uh, you know, schleppy stuff, you know, the, the you know, layering on <laughs> of the sugar, you know, I, I lick it up. But I, I, I think what I liked, and I, I, you know, the only other podcast I listen to regularly is the uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast. And they, they mentioned that in every superhero movie or in most superhero movie, you have a sidekick, right? Spider-Man has a sidekick or, you know, the, you know, there's there's one person who's kind of helping or abetting or kind of going through the same journey as your superhero. But what distinguishes this movie is the fact that instead of the sidekick, his entire family here is behaving like yes. a sidekick. So I, that was, I think that was very perceptive of them. And I, I like that, especially in, in the last act of the movie, like you see every member of the family kind of, you know, do their bit in a way, right? To help, to help him out. And actually he is the one who needs saving and it's his family which saves him. So I kind of like those little touches. I also like that, you know, clearly the movie is made with out of three dollars okay so the movie is you know dc probably gave them i don't know a very little small amount of money and said, like yeah, the budget watch- that was left over from all the other five movies that came before it it was probably, correct it's probably like the lunch budget from you know ant-man or something <laughs> right, right. Um, so considering that's that- awful oh sorry <laughs> Jared. <laughs> so con- considering how yeah that's marvel but considering how little budget it probably has i think it kind of you know uses C- there's a lot of cgi use that overuses it but i think where what you can't make up with glitz you kind of make up with heart and sorry i i fell for the schmaltz i kind of bought the whole thing even as i was cringing saying oh they're really overdoing this thing but i went along i 100 percent agree i mean there were, when I, when this movie started i was like oh dear you know and i was like really for it because the dialogue is is really quite bad in hammy very bad i don't know whether that's again i don't know much about the source material whether this is um you know cartoon with its origins in mexican culture um or whether you know a comic book rather or whether you know this is um you know straight from 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 it's source material, but it's 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 really quite hammy, um, and he, even you know the way he you know so the, the protagonist has to you know go find a job and go first day at work, all of that stuff plays like really quite a poorly written sitcom at times. Um, it's it's kind of embarrassingly bad, but again, I think when as it introduces its kind of you know family members one by one and the relationships between them and and you know, they had all the best lines in the movie, right? He has an uncle who, you know, comes out with these, you know, very, very funny one-liners. And he's exactly kind of like your embarrassing uncle, right? You know, he, you know, I don't have an uncle that necessarily, you know, drives a a pickup truck by the name of Taco. But he has some really good punchlines in the movie that that genuinely made me smile. And and good delivery by George Lopez. Thank you. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't catch that that was George Lopez yeah. in there. So, you know, again, yeah. his comedic timing is, is, is you know, it clearly stood, it stood out for me. Um, and, you know, overall, again, the whole, you know, romance angle and, you know, the Rashmi, you were saying, you know, the, the, the culture, the, 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 social commentary on rich versus poor you know yeah it, that's all in there but it, it's just the, the chemistry of, of this group of people mm-hmm. uh, worked very well for me 
Yeah, I think the problem for me was it's somewhat predictable, but mainly I found the central protagonists, you know, Jamie Ray's himself and, and the and the woman that, you know, is kind of the... The love interest. Yeah, I just found them a bit dull and flat. I just... Yeah, Jamie Ray's was... was I mean, he was just too young in a sense. I've forgotten about it him It felt already. like a Peter Parker type youngness that didn't seem appropriate that could take on that level of being a superhero in a sense um and then the 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 love interest was just so dull um she was very pretty i liked her and she was yeah but pretty is not not exciting yeah but she was also kind of sprightly i thought she was taking she was going against her family and so forth Yeah, yeah i i mean i think the grandmother is the best thing about the movie yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll say. I think I think she makes it worth watching, yes. and George Lopez is, you know, a really good actor in it. But overall, I just didn't see the point of this movie again. Like I said, other than being that vehicle for an all Hispanic cast. And if I think back to Shang Chi and the and the magic bangles, magic rings, oh, kitchen, kitchen, <laughs> which is the place we love to go and eat. Sorry, if that's I an think about joke. <laughs> and the magic and the magic of the 10 rings. Yes. Yeah. When I think about that movie and how elevated it was and how funny it was, they had Aquafina in that, you know, I feel like the George Lopez is the equivalent of the Aquafina. When I think about how superior that was in terms of its storytelling, I think there's a real lack of someone really writing a good story here. It felt like, the, the first half of the movie is really about him getting to this exoskeleton suit. And the second half of the movie is escape. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Didn't quite I, work for me. I mean, I think to be fair, I think, you know, the universe, universality in movies lies in the specificity that we, you know, that we see in its characters. Right. So we always, like, you know, there, we have seen Black Panther, and that was all about the Afro-futuristic world. Yeah. We have seen, you know, Shang-Chi, which really leans into the martial arts, Asian kind of heritage. We have seen, um, you know, Spider-Verse, which also is based on Mike Morales, who is a very Latino character. But I think in this movie, it didn't have the budget of any of those movies, and it can't be very sophisticated, I think, in its production design, or maybe even in its writing. I'm hoping that this... I'm hoping this movie is reasonably successful. So there is a sequel and they give him a little bit more money and he can make a glitzier, nicer, tighter movie with bigger name actors. Like really the only big name actor in this movie is Susan Sarandon. And but George I, Lopez. And what and is she George doing Lopez. here? Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> well, didn't even mention her. Other story. But, uh, but I, I like that, you know, there was a lot of things like, you know, when he goes for an interview, his whole family is there and they're like, you have to do this and you have to... I grew up in an Asian culture and it's I recognized it exactly. That's exactly what happened in for me growing up in India. So it it and you know, there's there there are callbacks to telenovelas and other things which are part of the Latino culture. So I I maybe I, I give the movie a lot of leeway because because it's kind of tapping into that. And you know, if there can be a Black Panther and if there can be a Shang-Chi, then there should be a Blue Beetle too. Sure. 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 Okay. Well, let's wrap this one up. Um, Yazdi, why don't you go first? Yeah, I'd give this a seven and a half out of 10, which I'm going to back down to a seven. But I I really think if people are looking just for a, you know, mindless fun time with your whole family, um, you should go watch it uh, in the cinema. So it makes a little bit of money. 
at the end of the day, the the one thing which which I have to defend about this movie is the fact that it's written, it's directed, and acted by Latinos. And you know, we need that cultural specificity. Otherwise, we will just keep seeing endless iterations of Spider-Man every six months, right? Which is already happening. So I'm I'm glad for that. Um, seven out of ten, the movie's got heart. And yes, some may find it schmaltzy, but I, it worked for me. Joe. Yeah, you know, it's it's a little rough around the edges. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I guess ultimately my score is an A for effort, um, which translates into something between a six and a seven. And I'm going to be a little stingy on it. I think I'm, I'm going to go with the six on this. That's not to say that this movie isn't terrifically enjoyable. And, and I think... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse. I'm gonna go to seven because this movie is terrifically enjoyable, and I think despite its clunkiness and it its obvious clunkiness, I think um, the the earnestness with which it goes about its business it has to be applauded. So yeah, seven. It's a, a very generous seven, um, but it expresses kind of how 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 much heartfelt um, they they really want this movie to be. Yeah, they really worked hard on this and, and, it, and it showed. Enjoyable family fun in the moment, but it's already evaporated from my brain. Middle of the road, five out of ten for me. Mm. Okay. Not bad. Okay. No, it's fine. I mean, again, you know, I mean, it's not high art. And um, I think, you know, a couple more rewrites of the script, a couple of maybe... Um, you know, judicious ed- ed- edits and directorial, you know, may- maybe a little more a game from its cast. You know, you would you would get this up there to to where we have. Um, yeah, I just worry it's a missed opportunity. But it's also not as heavy as many of our recent yeah. comic book movies have been, and it, I think it it doesn't want to do anything other than show you a good time. Yeah, yeah, and I not to belabor this but when i was growing up as a little kid that's what superhero meant to me i was watching the the spider-man and the and this uh superman animated movies and it was silly and cheesy and the bad guys were really bad and the comic yep. book they were comically evil and this kind of harkens back to that saturday morning kind of feeling so you know we've kind of bog- gotten bogged down with you know very serious you know sophisticated yeah, how we live now and everything is dark and bleak and, you know, Nolan did a great job, but he kind of unfortunately set the tone where a lot of other superhero movies have kind of followed in that path. So I, I like that that's also, it's kind of more in this cheesy kind of silly black and white kind of space. Sure. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Good. Uh, let's bring the podcast to a close, um, not least of which because we only have three minutes left on our unpaid Zoom account. <laughs> <laughs> and Yessi, thank you for joining us remotely today. And um, we can't always do these in person, but um, the the Zoom actually worked out pretty well today. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully it sounds yeah. okay to our listeners. But sorry, you're not your usual, um, you know, crystal clear, velvety toned self. And no snacks. And there were no snacks today. Who said there were no snacks? Well, been, that's because we're not at Yazzie's house. I've been eating sesame. Little rolled sesame oh, egg roll pastries. They're so good. <laughs> All right. Allow me to now you should post this. Oh, um, you should post it. You have the key. That yeah, looks I will good, post Yazzie. Yeah, you, you yeah. post those. Oh, yum. They're they, they so look, good. They look terrible. <laughs> they are. I have no idea what they are, but um, I'm sure I'd be enjoying them. If you we would were, be. That's what if we were yes. together. Yes. All right. Let's end the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. As always, um, hit us up on social. Um, somebody, please. 
Um, we, we often wonder if we're talking to the internet. The download numbers tell us that the we're abyss. not. The abyss, rather, yeah. Uh, we are talking to the internet. But um, yes, please, uh, you know, let us know what you think of the movies, the podcast. Uh, even if you want to hurl abuse in our direction, uh, that's <gasps> fine too. We can take it. Gasp. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until our next episode, it's too many movies, too little time. A goodbye from me. And me. And me as well. <laughs>